Libraries have been around for thousands of years. Long before Demetrius of Phalaron, a student of Aristotle arranged the 500,000 scrolls inside the Library of Alexandria in 300 BC. My name is Paul Alves and I'm the host of the Book Guys Show, and I'm here at the Ontario Library Association Conference in Toronto to meet with people who work in the world of libraries to find out from them all about the future of libraries and the challenges they face. In the last few decades, some would say that the biggest challenge to the library has to be the digital revolution brought on by the internet. The internet itself is undoubtedly the largest thing mankind has ever built, spanning every country with its cables laid across all the oceans, its fingers of wire and wireless signals reaching the furthest farmhouses and most remote towns on earth. Libraries quickly embrace the internet, offering connections to it via connected computers. Later came ebooks and portable e-readers. Libraries are currently doing their best to embrace that technology as well, as more and more constant readers are now carrying around iPads, Kindles, and Kobos. So what are some of the challenges facing libraries today? Let's ask the experts. My name is Kwan Sia, and I work in uh, Barry Public Library. I'm the manager of IT. Well, I think that the, uh, the library is facing sort of a identity crisis in that it has tried to be uh, so many things to so many people. With the advent of the internet, people no longer come to the library to find out things. They can Google it. And there's good old Wikipedia. And so the library is no longer the first place they come to for information. It could be the fourth or the fifth or the sixth place. If they knew a library existed, everyone keeps asking us, um, how much does it cost to rent something? They are so used to blockbusters, they can't believe we do it for free. But we, we have to tell them that you don't pay anything. If you're a taxpayer or you live in the area, you can use the library for free. And so people are astounded about that. But we want actually people to think of the library as more than just say a place to get things for free. We want to be relevant to them. And uh, so many libraries, including ours, is trying to be a place where um, people can come to and know that they're safe and they can hang out and they can meet their friends. And uh, for those who don't have computers at home, we want them to know that we offer them access to the internet. But that's part of our own undoing too, because when they have the ability to Google, they come into Google, but never to ask us questions. <laughs> I'm Brian Michelli. I'm the Director of Community and Cultural Services for the County of Elgin, which includes the uh, administration of the Elgin County Library. So I'm the CEO of the Elgin County Library. Our staff continue to struggle with things like new ebook readers and what platforms they can be used on and what books can be downloaded to them. So that's, I mean, that's just a huge shift. But uh, I also think, you know, we, we represent rural communities. Uh, in our spaces, what we're seeing is any demand we may have had for traditional collections could easily be replaced by computer access, high-speed internet access, and we think that everyone has high speed and wireless. There are vast stretches of the country that don't, and we're, we're playing uh, you know, a vital role. So any space that we open up, we can put another computer there, and it would be still full all the time. I'm Larry Langford, Head of Access and Information Services at the Robarts Library at the University of Toronto. A big challenge today is access to information for free. I think that the perception that information is free is a difficult one to overcome. 
for users of libraries who are used to a model where if the library owned the, the print book, it didn't cost them anything to use it. And so now that information is available in many other media forms where the, the concept of licensing that information brings a new challenge, how to, how to basically provide information on an equitable basis to everyone when it, there's a hefty price tag attached to it. My name's Susan Wallace. I work at Oxford University Press, and I'm a, the trade sales rep, so that means I sell to bookstores and libraries. Their budgeting, their, their budgets are getting cut or frozen, so that's a challenge, and there's more demand uh, for different kinds of things like DVDs and e-books, and so there's less money for print books. I'm Sam Nickel. I'm the VP of Business Development at Boopsy and we create native apps, mobile apps for libraries. So in addressing the issues that they're facing, it's really all about helping libraries retain their relevancy and expanding their visibility within the communities they serve. My name's Joanne Tucson. I am the Technical Services Manager at the Pelham Public Library in Fonte Hill, Ontario. Challenges that libraries are facing are funding, which has always been the case. The rapid pace of technology development and trying to keep up with that, making decisions about where we should put our dollars in terms of investing into technology, um, those are the two biggies. My name is Sally Reed and I am the executive director of a division of the American Library Association that helps friends groups and trustees raise money for and advocate for their libraries. So we're called the Association of Library Trustees, Advocates, Friends and Foundations. The main thing is a perception of libraries becoming irrelevant and that causes um, economic problems for libraries obviously. And I think the other side of that is the environment that we're working in now is very competitive. In the past we were singular um, book lenders, that was it. Everybody understood our purpose, everybody supported that, there was no competition, but now people think because of ebooks and internet and big box stores that libraries really don't need to exist anymore. Seems everyone I talked to is fearful that because of the internet and all its offerings accessible from the comfort of your own home, that the public would soon find the library unnecessary. Could this happen? Were the Googles, the Apples, Amazon, good old Wikipedia and YouTube taking people away from the library? I had to find out. I believe that the number of tra uh, amount of traffic going into the library has remained steady, gone down somewhat over the last couple of years. Library users, I think, have changed their habits. There is some truth in the fact that you can get a lot on the internet. And I think what you can get on the internet um, very easily is how-to information. So people are not using their libraries so much for that kind of information, but they're still either listening to or reading books, um, fiction, and uh, reference materials are still an important component of what libraries offer. Again, full-text databases are um, very expensive. Nobody, at least not many people, could afford their own. And so library users are still using reference services are just in a different format now. I don't think it's, it's necessarily changed. I mean, we've we've seen we've seen a steady flow from from all different segments of life, young and old. Probably the uh, 
nature of our services in terms of what's happening with schools and how they're changing. Like for instance, early learning kindergarten has been introduced in Ontario. So we're seeing that we're not really serving the uh, four and five year olds like we used to for story time. So we're, we've had to shift focus to babies much more. And and actually now even in place of that kind of the, the children's programming for the four and five year olds, we're doing more teen programming and seniors programming. So we're trying to bring more people in. So it's not necessarily the traditional story hours change quite a bit. But for the most part, I mean, we're, we're still seeing people that really have needs that can't necessarily be fulfilled personally coming to us. And that need could be for a book, for computer access, it could be for a movie, you know, things that often there's a fee attached to, but they're coming to us for the service and I'm not seeing necessarily that changing. Uh, foot traffic is always increasing. There's, there's more students and they make 24-hour use of some of the libraries in my environment. So um, the gate counts and the presence in the library for whatever services they're making use of, often perhaps for a quiet place to study. The library is a, you know, as a study environment is just as important as a library is for access to the, whole, the collections and so on. The use of other library services isn't going down, it's just probably that we aren't counting some of the ways in which new usage, we don't yet track loans of electronic materials and so in fact we don't know how much it's increased by in, in some areas because we've not made the transition to tracking some of that. A lot of the librarians at the conference told me that the number of visitors to their libraries were about the same. But as you just heard, the way they are using the library has changed significantly. And one of the biggest changes happening right now to libraries is the phasing in of ebooks. Which led me to my next question. How have ebooks affected the library as we know it? There's a tendency to think that these, these ebook readers are going to be the end of the library. Okay, that everyone's going to download their books and no one has a need to come to the space anymore. And I value myself on a long-term perspective not only when it comes to technology, but really history in general. And I think we got to remember, libraries have always fulfilled certain roles over centuries. That role is not necessarily going to go away. So as far as the e-book, what, what, what the impact is, first of all, I don't, I don't think necessarily the advent of the e-book reader is the, uh, the beginning of the end of the, of, of the library as we know it. I think it's just another form of technology. I think the bottom line is that what goes into the e-reader, the content, that will always be important to people and getting access to content and having people who can help you find good content and, 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 and find meaning in good content is always going to be a role. So I just, that's a kind of a grand preface to the question. Uh, but as, as far as the, the, you know, the day-to-day impact right now, again, because it, 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 you know, new ones are coming out every day and so on, I mean, our staff are really feeling overwhelmed to, to try to keep up. What's happening now is that I think our users are becoming more savvy than the staff on, on some things, which it's not usually what librarians are used to. They, they like being the expert and helping people out, but what's happening now is people are coming in and saying, well, I, I might know this better than you, right? So, and, and so from that point of view, there's a lot of more collaboration going on back and forth, but I, I still think that, that at the end of the day, it's just another platform on which Good content is being provided, and libraries will always specialize in good content. The fact is that most of us have aging workforces. Okay, so, I mean, 
and, and that's just a reality. It's not an editorial statement, it's, it's a reality. So we have the vast majority of our staff, I would say over 50% of our staff probably could retire in the next five years. And, and, and our budgets are not growing to allow us to hire new staff in addition to maintaining the current staff. So, you know, we, we, the compliment we have is aging. And, and they are not used to the technology and not used to wanting to change that quickly with the technology. So, yeah, it is, it is an issue. But I think it has more to do with the demographics of the workforce and trying to get people to change for something that they may personally not want to ever use let alone try to be an expert on it for somebody else. It's, it's a difficult process. Hi, VEbooks, Effective Library. I think uh, one of the most significant impact it has is on people who commute. They could get an e-reader, they could download as many books as they want. It doesn't increase the weight at all of what they have to carry to and from work and house, and, and uh, they could read anything that they want. And I think that um, this, is, this is sort of like what you would call a game changer, a real huge paradigm shift for us because uh, people who work in library are very used to handling books and if you don't have to handle something it's like, well how do we know we exist? With the internet and Google and everything else it's like there's a whole class of users who never present themselves to the library and ebooks is just part of it. It's the internet that's a bigger issue for us, I think. Ebooks have had a huge impact on the library, especially after Christmas when everybody gets an ebook reader and they come to the library and say, hey, you guys have ebooks for us to borrow. How do we do that? The impact for staff has been trying to learn how to actually use these ebook readers because many of us did not own one, and then train the patrons on how to get our collection from Overdrive onto their different readers. And the challenge for us was there were so many different e-readers out there, how do we do that? Uh, circulation on e-readers has gone through the roof from December to January, December 2010 to January 2011. Almost double the number of circulations and double the number of users. And it's only going to go up. There's still, it's hard to get a lot of content. There are a lot of books that aren't available as e-books yet. Uh, it's hard to get Canadian content or as much Canadian t content as the librarians would like. Finding, you know, the, there's, there are no Canadian wholesalers that are involved in this. They have to go to American companies and hopefully that'll change. Much like the library, the bookstore has continued to evolve over the years as well. Most larger stores now include comfortable leather couches, coffee shops, and a fun, upbeat atmosphere. A lot of the larger chain stores encourage you to take books off the shelf and read them in the store. Should libraries move in this direction as well? Many already have, but is this a direction all libraries should take? Well, we certainly have gone that way. We, we are putting comfortable chairs now. We are putting in a lot more computers to bring in the foot traffic, as we say. We no longer stop people from drinking and eating now. So while we don't provide the coffee, we let them bring in the coffee. And that's how we're evolving. So we're getting more legs or loose, or we're changing the rules, and we're becoming more welcoming. And I think um, we don't go around anymore with, our, with a finger to the lip and saying shh anymore. We try not to. It's a great library in London, 
and it has a theater attached to it. It has an area for teens, and they invite teen bands to come in and play in the library. There's a cafe. It's sort of like a community center, and there's all sorts of going things going on. There's ESL classes, and there are books and places you can go and read quietly, but it's not what you think of as a traditional library. There's all sorts of stuff going on in this one area. And there's some other new libraries being built just north of Toronto that have, there's the library, there's, where is it? It's in Markham. It's beautiful. It's a library and upstairs there's these couches and a, there's a fireplace and downstairs next door they have a cafe and it's in the same building they have a gym and they have a arena. So it's just, everything's all together. It's like this community center and yeah, it's not a place where it's just be quiet. It's a place where people interact and can take courses. and So I think that's a great development. It's just more vibrant and more interesting place to be. Libraries should definitely keep up with bookstores. We probably have made changes to mimic that experience that you have in a bookstore of being able to uh, sit with your coffee and, and read recreationally or otherwise. We probably, in many libraries, the renovations that have taken place have been to bring wireless coverage so people can be anywhere in the facility, not where one, you know, imagines the formal study spaces, but in fact to sit wherever you like. So you have electronic access, you have definitely the ability to have your beverage, <laughs> maybe even your food in certain zones. I know perhaps some libraries have different policies about the food, but it's, it is indeed much more the bookstore model than 10 years ago. Libraries definitely want to become community centers and resource centers, so I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity, cafe or in having an in-house solution to enable patrons to feel more comfortable spending more time. And I think that combined with the ability for those, there's that certain segment of patrons that does not want to be there, they want to rush in and out, that if you have a mobile strategy combined with making your library more of the, the community living room, I think they'll be in good shape. Again, the most significant thing that's ever happened and what it, it just is going to, it's a paradigm shift and, and everything's changing around us. And yet you look and you think, well, no, it's just an evolution of things. Um, so as far as the, you know, there will always be a need for the space, for, for, for a public space in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an area where people can share ideas and that's, that's free and public. And I, I think we kind of forget about that side of it. But, you know, a hundred years ago, Andrew Carnegie invested significant money to put library buildings around on the insistence that they be free and public. And so there is a still a redeeming need for public space. And I can speak very intimately about rural communities that we are often the only game in town for these kids. Teenagers, they get off the bus, and at our branches, we're the only place that they can gather. There isn't, we don't have coffee shops and you know arenas and strip malls. They come to us. After speaking with everyone during the OLA conference, I have renewed optimism that libraries are alive and well. The internet isn't the end of the library, neither is the ongoing digital ebook revolution. They're just new technologies that libraries are adapting to. This isn't the first time libraries have undergone such a paradigm shift. 
If you think of a book as a story or collection of ideas, then you could say the first books were written on stone, clay, or tree bark. 5,000 years ago, the Egyptians wrote on papyrus, a plant grown along the Nile River. Sheets of papyrus were formed into scrolls. Libraries in the Middle Ages had to deal with the coming of the bound book, which were copied by hand, often in monasteries. A smaller monastery often only held a few dozen such hand-copied books. The coming of the printing press made the possession of a book, actually owning one, a reality for many people. The library not only survived the invention of the printing press, it flourished. The same I can see now can be said for the coming of the internet, the portable reading device and the digital ebook revolution. The library has been around for thousands of years and will most likely be around for thousands more. I began to wonder as I looked around the conference, what will the library of the future look like? I envision on the Library of the Future to still have a front door, bricks and mortar, a place where you can go, where staff will be working, with uh, content inside that will uh, be relevant and our staff will know uh, how to interpret it and whatever format that happens to be, I'm less concerned about that. I still see the Library of the Future as an institution, as a building that uh, will you know, continue to be a prominent part of the community and the streetscape. So I'm not so worried about the library in the future. I think the library of the future is going to look a lot like a place where people hang out. And any learning through books or the internet is actually going to be become more incidental than the primary focus. It's going to turn into a place where the community goes. And it's not a place where you go to get books. That's what I see it as. I think we're still shaping it. You know, I think it, the, the biggest thing about the library of the future is that it meets the patrons' needs. It's no longer about an item type. It's no longer about a book or a medium. It's about providing an access point uh, for the patrons and delivering what the patrons need. And if the patrons continue to need a place to meet, it will provide that. If they require information, it will provide that. So I think the biggest driver of the future is not the medium, but actually what the patron is looking for. Well, I think that the library of the future is a, a place for people rather than collections. Perhaps we won't see the print collection at all in the library of the future because we can deliver that if that's the texts that are needed. So I'm saying it will look, in that sense, less like a bookstore where you're, you are aware of the books and more like a, uh, call it a, a laboratory for learning or a collaboration space where you're working with people on materials for courses or for um, other purposes. So it's, it's probably a social and intellectual collaboration space. Way down in the future, you're going to walk into the library, you're going to walk up to a kiosk with your electronic ebook reader, iPad, whatever else they come up with, and you're going to download material from that kiosk. You can have great places to hang out, learn from other users, especially as technology keeps on, they teach each other how it goes. Um, Libraries are still going to have books. We're all about reading, and people are 
love to read. We need to continue to offer that. Whatever the library of the future looks like, one thing I know for sure is that it will be there. It will have evolved as it always does to accommodate new ways of sharing ideas and information. A lot of it will be accessible from your home or from your mobile device. But the library itself will still be there, welcoming you to come on in and see what's new. Because there's always something new at your local library.